The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Great possibilities for us, and directions to go, and this kind of practice we do, is to have an experience of being whole. And why that's such a wonderful thing is that many people live their lives fragmented or live their lives so focused on certain parts of their life that they're divided, they're separated, or they're not, not everything is included. Some people have ideas that parts of who they are is unacceptable, and so you might as well keep it in the dark or ignore it or keep it at bay or pretend it's not there or hide it from everyone or something. Some people are just so fascinated with themselves that their conceit is divides them, leaves out so much. They kind of focus on how great they are or something. Or Some people have purposes that they're so absorbed in and so focused on that leaves out so much of who they are, they're distracted. And some people, you know, because of their work even, that maybe spend a lot of time on computers, most of their life is from the neck up. And maybe their fingers come into play. But otherwise, you know, it's not much connected to their heart and to their fullness of who they are. So there's many ways in which we become partial, fragmented, uh, And so part of the practice is to heal the fragmentation. Part of the practice is to relax the boundaries, the barriers that keep us apart from the fullness of who we are, all the different aspects that we are. And so the ideal or the notion of becoming whole is, I think, one way of understanding meditation. And uh, certainly for me, uh, when I started meditation many years ago, I think that's what kind of pulled me into meditation was because it was the first time in my life, not first time, but kind of was a clear way of feeling I was was whole. And it just felt so right. It wasn't necessarily that I felt happy or good or, but it it just felt like I was whole. Everything was included. And, um, And on the way to that kind of wholeness, it can seem that we meditation does kind of split us into two parts and it's a temporary kind of split and that is that there's you and the way you understand yourself and then there's the part of you that can meet that and see it with mindfulness and that how we meet our life how who we are we're kind of like we're meeting with a different way than how we usually live our life. So if we're always anxious, going around being anxious, and then the mindfulness is to meet the anxiety with uh, a reassuring, calm presence so the anxiety can relax. If we're always angry, we're not going to meet the anger with anger, but rather we meet the anger with something that's kind. In both situations, it's not about pushing the anxiety away or pushing the anger away, but it's like, welcome it, here, come, yes, I'll be, I'll be with you, I'll hold it. 
in a new way, in a way that is. And so sometimes I think of mindfulness and a metaphor for it is uh, sometime when you're somehow challenged in some emotional, psychological way, personal way, and you're lucky enough to have a person, it could be a friend, it could actually be a stranger, um, who uh, just sits with you and accompanies you, doesn't try to fix you, doesn't try to judge you, but they're just like care about you and are willing to kind of be with you, listen to you, hear you in a non-judgmental way. And it's so good to sit on a park bench with a stranger. It just seems to be, not, doesn't seem to want anything from you, doesn't seem to judge you, but just is quite happy to accompany you as you talk about your challenges and what's going on. And so this idea of accompanying and in the world of spiritual care that I'm a little bit involved in uh, outside of Buddhism, uh, one of the most significant forms of spiritual care for others is accompaniment, to accompany people through their challenge rather than fixing people or saving people. So in the same way with ourselves, we're learning to this practice how to accompany ourselves in that way, to be present for whatever is going on with us, as you to listen to it, to be present for it, to have it recognized, to have it a chance to kind of speak or show itself, and um, in a very different way than if we're pushing it away or cutting it out or we're distracted from it. We're, but and it's profound. So a little bit like we're. For maybe for you know a few little bit in, in mindfulness in the beginning, we're, we're a little bit schizophrenic, maybe or, or split personality, maybe that's better, between the one that can be a company, the one that needs accompaniment. And both of them are possibilities inside of you. There's probably something about you that needs uh, some kind to be seen, heard, be present for, held, made space for, it doesn't need to be fixed anymore. It doesn't need to be criticized or judged. It doesn't need to get its way. It just needs to be seen and held and made space for. And you're the spiritual care provider. You're the one who accompanies and meets it. So it might seem temporarily that to split personality, it's not a bad one to have. And then what happens though, is that that capacity to hold and listen will grow until everything can be included within it. And then uh, you're whole. And you're whole without having fixed yourself. So you might have anxiety, you might have anger, you might have grief, you might have issues that are challenging for anybody to have. And uh, something marvelous can happen when your sense of wholeness is big enough to hold that too as opposed to, I'm only going to be whole when I don't have that. And so this, keep opening, and yes, this too, this too, we'll hold that, we'll be with this, this too. And, um, and as that, that sense of wholeness or inclusion becomes bigger, chances are you'll become wiser. And wiser in that you'll know what to say and what to do, what to act from, where to come from. That'll be very different if you're anxious and say, what am I supposed to do here? Anxiety doesn't help you figure that out, maybe. Oh, the anger knows what, to, what's, what you should do. And it knew it until you saw the consequences, and then you had to spend years repairing the relationship. 
I wish I had known def- something better, different. But the sense of wholeness that relaxes, that reassures something deep inside of us, it lets something deep inside of us kind of settle and be seen and be part of this whole, that's more likely a place of wisdom and clarity and And so you'll be able to respond to the world in a very different way. Maybe become much more resilient uh, to the challenges this life brings. So this is one way of thinking about meditation, this mindfulness practice. It's a practice of inclusion. And one of the reasons I think of this practice moving us towards something that's sacred is how I define the sacred. Some of you don't. Probably some of you don't care about the word sacred, but that's kind of comforting for me. Um, And for me, the sacred is when nothing is excluded from awareness. Our awareness is what, when it knows how to include everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, it can include all of it within it. It doesn't mean anything's condoned. It doesn't mean anything is, in a certain kind of way, is accepted, like, oh, this is a good thing. It just means that it's all, everything has a place in this wide field of attention, of being, of life. And then we use our wisdom to know what to act on, what to not act on. And that makes all the difference in the world. So finally, in Buddhism, um, it's, it's less about, I think it's accurate to say about Buddhism, it's, it's less important what you are than what you do. Meaning, some people in the, in the modern West are so focused on who they are as a person, as an identity, as a, who they are you know, in terms of their interests, who they are in terms of their feelings, their attitudes, their psychology. Psychology is like big ever since Freud. Just gotten huge. Life was easier before Freud. And, uh, the, um, and, um, and so there's so much, so much focus on like who we're supposed to be and who we are. And it's, I saw it in, fir- in first grade with the kids, or maybe even kindergarten. The teachers were like, let's celebrate how special each kid is. Really? I mean, d- don't celebrate how terrible they are, but celebrate how special they are, what, that's going to make them, that's going to skew them, that's going to make life difficult for them. Just help them feel whole. Help them feel like they can be themselves in a simple way. And then so that they can, not about who they are, but what they do. And what we do is, we do what's wholesome, we do what's beneficial, and we learn how to avoid what's not beneficial. It gives us a, it's a superpower to do that. In Buddhism, that's what's most important. And that sets the conditions to create better internal landscape over time. So, this, so the practice of being whole, that leads us to make better choices how we live. So in this way, you get to be who you are. It's all included. Warts and all for those of you who have warts, or the equivalent. So those are my thoughts for today. Thank you.